Welcome to another exciting episode of The Tax Efficient Investor. Listen in as host Michael Johnston demystifies tax-efficient tactics to help you grow your wealth. We break down complex tax strategies and make them simple to understand and easy to implement. From HSAs to IRAs, 1031s, trusts, and more, we cover it all here on The Tax Efficient Investor. Welcome to the show. I'm Michael Johnston. Joining me today to talk about tax-efficient investing is Jose Torres. Jose is the founder and managing partner at Monior Capital Partners, where he manages two tax-advantaged private equity funds. Jose was born in Puerto Rico. He has 25-plus years of experience in the private equity and investment banking industries. Jose, thanks for joining me today. Well, Michael, thank you for the invitation. So, Jose, we're going to dive deep and talk about uh, talk about Puerto Rico today. I want to get to your background a little bit more in just a minute here, but I want to start with just kind of a brief summary of what Puerto Rico is and what it isn't. I'm sure you get confusion all the time about this. So um, let me just run through a few bullet points here. Since I think since the late 1800s, Puerto Rico has been a U.S. territory. It is technically an unincorporated territory with Commonwealth status. So what that means is people born in Puerto Rico are, are U.S. citizens by birth. If you're a, a U.S. citizen living in the 50 states, you can go to Puerto Rico without a passport. There's a governor of Puerto Rico that is the head of the, the Puerto Rican government. And the, the people of Puerto Rico are represented in Washington, D.C. by a resident commissioner in the House of Representatives. It's a non-voting position. I, I believe they may vote in, in committees, perhaps, but it's a, a non-voting representative in the U.S. And then importantly for our conversation today, it is a separate tax jurisdiction. So there's lots of Puerto Rico-specific tax incentives and regulations that we'll dive into. Uh, Jose, did I, did I misstate anything or did I miss anything, kind of providing a high-level summary of, of Puerto Rico's status there? No, actually, that's a great summary. I'm glad that you went through those bullet points because there's a lot of misconception about Puerto Rico. I yeah. think I would put a couple of things into context. Um, what it means to be a separate tax jurisdiction, which is, has a lot to do with what we're going to be talking about today. That mm -hmm. basically means that if you're a resident of Puerto Rico, you're not subject to federal taxes. You're subject to Puerto Rican taxes. Uh, likewise, if you're a Puerto Rican and in the U.S., uh, you are actually subject to, to U.S. taxes. Uh, so that's something that I just puts it into perspective. Now, when you have income from the U.S. and live in Puerto Rico or when you're in the U.S. and have income from Puerto Rico, then you have to deal with that, um, basically filing taxes on both jurisdictions. Um, I think the, the other point that I always like to point out is that um, Puerto Ricans are very proud. And that's probably one of the many reasons um, that we are in this status where we are, which is called a commonwealth. And basically, that is a status between statehood and, and being independent. Uh, and that creates some uh, challenges, but also some opportunities. And I'd rather focus on the opportunities than, than the challenges today. Sure. Well, and to your point about being proud of me, uh, we can talk, Jose, just briefly about your background. I know that you were born in Puerto Rico. You spent a decent amount of time in San Francisco and, and elsewhere in the in the 50 states. And then you were, uh, you were pulled back to the island. Uh, you, you couldn't stay away. So... Uh, maybe just give the listeners a, a little bit of, of your background of how you ended up in, in San Francisco and then ultimately why you boomeranged back to Puerto Rico. Yep. Um, so I'll, I'll start briefly. I got the opportunity to go to boarding school in the U.S. and uh, ended up going to Colorado, Colorado College for my undergrad, uh, get an MBA in Arizona. 
And then I really started my career in Santiago, Chile, working for an investment bank, ING Bearings. Um, that brought me to New York, back to Colorado. And then uh, the last 13 years before moving back to Puerto Rico, I was in the Bay Area. Uh, I've been very lucky. Every place that I've lived has been a great uh, experience and a great place to live. Um, what really happened was, as I was working um, at Aries Management, uh, focusing on energy, uh, uh, private equity, uh, I was doing a lot of things in the oil and gas midstream space and a lot of things in the renewable space. Um, the renewable space was actually focused on Puerto Rico. Um, after Hurricane Maria and the bankruptcy of Puerto Rico, our, our firm decided that they really have way too many uh, interesting investment opportunities uh, outside of Puerto Rico, and they wanted me to focus basically on what I would call the midstream sector. At that time, I was working on renewable energy deals in Puerto Rico. I learned about opportunity zones, which is part of what brought me to Puerto Rico. And I also learned about all the other tax incentives that were in Puerto Rico, particularly with renewable energy. And the what they used to call Act 20 and Act 22, which is the in, uh, Individual Investor Act um, and also the export services. Um, so talking to the partners that I was working on renewable energies in Puerto Rico, I decided to move on my own, uh, relocate to Puerto Rico. And that's how I started Major Capital Partners. Um, my real focus there was to actually find ways to invest, uh, tax advantage investing in Puerto Rico. First, we were focusing on opportunity zones. But then we really, really dove down into all the other tax benefits that Puerto Rico got to offer, uh, particularly at every sector. And we'll talk a little bit about different sectors and where we're focusing. But yeah. I think the other, the other point that um, was important to me was the amount of opportunities that were in Puerto Rico and the need, right? After the hurricane, there was over $100 billion of damage. Uh, when you think about that, um, you have a significant amount of infrastructure that will have to be replaced. We also have a law that requires renewable energy 100% by 2050. Just that alone requires a significant amount of investment in the uh, renewable energy sector. So with those things in mind, we moved to Puerto Rico um, where we manage two funds, but we also try to help people uh, facilitate investing. Uh, we have a lot of co-investors that invest with us, but are really looking to uh, deploy their own capital alongside our funds. Sure. Great, thanks. That's a good summary or good good background, Jose. So let's dive in here and talk about Puerto Rico and some of the specific tax incentives. So why Puerto Rico? What what makes Puerto Rico so attractive for people looking to move their business, to invest in businesses that are already there? What are what are some of the incentives in place under what I believe is now called Act 60, but used to be you referenced Act 20 and 22, and there's a handful of other ones that I believe have been rolled up all under this now Act 60 umbrella. Yep. So before I talk about the tax incentives, I just want to point a couple of things also about Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. um, we have a very well-educated labor force, uh, both mostly bilingual, a lot of engineers. Um, there's a top engineering a university here on the island. Um, so that makes it very attractive from um, looking at establishing companies here in Puerto Rico. Uh, in addition, you mentioned we're US jurisdiction. So uh, we use the US dollar. So that also makes it um, easy to do business. Um, where we're located, we're basically a bridge both to Europe and Latin America. So that is also another uh, rationale for looking at Puerto Rico as a potential hub. Um, and I would say now we can talk a little bit more about the tax incentives. Puerto Rico has had a very 
aggressive tax incentive policy, uh, basically to incentivize those sectors that they're trying to uh, promote and, and increase investment. Um, those were laws that were all over the place. And what I mean by that is they were created over a, a long period of time and they were not standardized. And uh, back in uh, 2019, they passed Act 60 of 2019. And what that did is it basically took all of these separate tax incentive laws and put it into one, one law. Um, so you hear a lot of people make reference about Act 20, Act 22, Act 73, which is manufacturing, Act 83, which is uh, renewable energy. And those were the original um, tax um, laws or laws that allow for those tax incentives. Now they're actually subchapters of Act 60. So you'll start hearing some people referring to you know, chapter two or chapter three, but at the end of the day, I, I think people just tend to refer most of it by the industries that are represented. Um, some of those industries, I'll start with the ones that I'm not that much involved with, and then we'll talk about the ones that we're investing in. And on those one, we can go into a little bit more detail. Um, but in general, most of this are uh, a 15-year tax decree that can be extended by 15 years. Most of them get a 4% income tax, flat income tax. And this is all for uh, income that's eligible. And that's one of the things that people have to understand. Not everything that you do is eligible to get those tax, tax treatment and tax rates. There's also uh, exemptions uh, and 50% uh, and municipal taxes and, uh, and property taxes um, uh, as well. So those are some of the uh, themes that are very similar to most of the sectors that have tax incentives, tax decrease. There's creative industry. I'm not that much involved in that. Um, that also gets a certain amount of tax credits. So that's an incremental incentive above, above the regular tax decrease, tax rates and, and exemptions. Um, there's an entrepreneurship that has to do also with young individuals um, that will get certain tax decrease. Um, and I would say um, there's probably um, what we call private equity, but it's really the financial sector. There's for insurance, there's for financial institutions. And then I'll talk very briefly about private equity. Uh, one of the private equities that we manage is a Puerto Rico private equity fund that has certain tax incentives both for the individuals that invest in the fund and for the fund itself. Um, uh, most of the tax incentives for the fund are for Puerto Rican taxpayers, but it's a very attractive uh, structure where people get up to a 60% deduction of their income tax by the, of the amount that they invest in the fund. And they did that to try to um, grow um, the private equity um, in Puerto Rico. It's been very successful in private credit and private debt. Um, but there's not that much private equity that is actually investing in, in Puerto Rico and Puerto Rican companies. And that's what we're here and that we're focusing on. Um, when you move to, there's also uh, insurance um, businesses that will get tax incentives. But when you move to Act 20 and Act 22, the export services are a very simple one that if you're in Puerto Rico and you're providing services, consulting services outside of Puerto Rico, uh, you basically are eligible for that lower tax, 4% uh, flat income tax. That makes it very attractive for anybody that's providing services outside of Puerto Rico. Anybody in Puerto Rico can apply for that. You don't have to have an, you know, a, an Act 22. You don't need to be a foreigner. Basically, anybody that's exporting services from Puerto Rico are eligible to apply for that tax decree. Uh, and that would be the the four percent four percent income tax, the seventy five percent property tax exemption, 
and a 50% municipal tax exemption yep. for, 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 for all of those that you just ran through. And then also one of the interesting parts is you also are exempt from charging any taxes on distribution. So if you're the mm -hmm. owner of that company, you're basically able to end up paying 4% income tax uh, to the Puerto Rican government. Um, but moving to more meaningful, what I would say tax incentives are uh, manufacturing. Manufacturing mm -hmm. not only get those tax incentives, but they also can get um, grants and cash rebates of the CapEx, a part of the CapEx that they invest. So basically it allows you to set up a manufacturing facility and the government of Puerto Rico in a way will be part of your capital uh, stack. Um, the other one that is very big in, in the pharma sector, um, Puerto Rico is one of the largest uh, pharma manufacturers um, in the world. And uh, that's uh, has always been a big part of the economy in Puerto Rico. Um, the other one that is also very active right now is what they call the visitor uh, economy, which is really tourism. And for hotels, for new hotels and another type of tourism infrastructure, there is also the ability to get tax credits in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 percent. That is very attractive in terms of a capital stack. You're basically able to finance right, with government tax credits a third to 40% of your, um, not only all of your hard costs, but also your first year of operation. There's mm -hmm. a lack of um, uh, tourism infrastructure in, in Puerto Rico. And that's one of the main reasons why those incentives are so aggressive. Um, there are a lot of hotels getting built in Puerto Rico, but still the number of beds in Puerto Rico, the number of rooms is significantly smaller than our neighbors like Dominican Republic and other Caribbean islands. Um, sure. So that's so so just to jump in here and, and kind of summarize here, Jose. So sounds like in a couple sectors in particular that the government of Puerto Rico is very interested in incentivizing manufacturing and and tourism. Um, you mentioned these these tax credits. So if I'm understanding correctly, essentially what happens is a, a business owner there could make capital investments. They could build a build a plant. They could uh, build a, a hotel or expand a hotel do the capital improvements, and then they would be eligible for tax, tax credits from the Puerto Rican government uh, that, that come back to them and essentially help to, to, to finance the development of that. Is that right? That's a great summary. And those yeah. tax credits are transferable. So basically you mm -hmm. sell them in the open market in Puerto Rico. They tend to be, you know, uh, in the 90, uh, low 90s, uh, high 80s, once you add all of the commissions. So you can assume that you can get that as a cash um, portion that you can use to finance. Normally that comes after the project is built. So you technically need to have the capital invested uh, and then you tend to recover that. Um, sure. uh, over, so if, over if these ventures have the taxable income that, that needs to be offset, they can use the tax credit directly. If yep. they if they don't or if they don't yet have enough taxable income to be able to use those credits, there's uh, there's a uh, a market where they can go and they can sell those tax credits to someone who does have a need for them, who does have income in this year that they need to offset. And you said the going rate is about ninety cents on the dollar, uh, so you could convert those tax credits to cash via that market. Is that is that right? 
that's a perfect uh, summary of that as well. And then that's essentially another that that's cash flow that goes uh, that goes to the business, right? And then presumably the business could could reinvest it. They could distribute it out to their investors. Is that is that essentially right? Correctly, or many times what it happens is it goes down to buy down the loan or repay part of the loan that you sure. use for the construction of the facility. Uh, sure. Or the but at that point, it's cash and it can be used in, in whatever management determines is the, the highest and best use of that cash in that sure. moment. Okay. Uh, well, that's I mean, that's that's pretty unique. There's there's uh, there's not a lot of opportunities like that where you're getting, I think you said, in the case of tourism, between 30 and 40 percent of, of hard costs, as well as I believe you said, some operating costs uh, back in the form of a tax credit that you can then uh, monetize and sell on the open market and convert to cash. And even if it's at 90 cents on the dollar, uh, 90 times 90 times 30 is what, 27 percent. So you're talking between 27 and 36 percent. I'm just doing some ballpark figures here um, that you can get back in in, uh, in monetizable tax credits. Um, Okay. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's pretty unique, and I think for anyone you know, anyone who's interested in tax efficient investing, which the listeners of this show are, uh, eyes and ears are probably perking up at, at that idea. Yeah, and that's important because a lot of people are only talking about moving to Puerto Rico and investing as an individual investor. So um, when you look at these opportunities, they're at the project level, at the company level. So anybody that's looking to invest in a company, that company will have a preferential capital, you know. Um, sure. stack or a preferential cost of capital, if you want to translate into that, that would yep. make that investment attractive to someone, even if you don't live here in, on the island. Sure. Yeah. Just like individuals can can use the tax code to their advantage, right? You can contribute to a 401k or a 529 or whatever you, you do at the individual level to essentially generate alpha by using uh, the tax code to your advantages. In Puerto Rico and, and in the U.S., but in Puerto Rico, there's kind of some more substantial opportunities. The companies can do that, too. They can take advantage of, of the incentives that have been created in the tax code to, in this case, um, uh, increase cash flow, essentially. Yep. Um, I'll yeah. talk a little bit about two other sectors, and then we can dive Please. down more into some of the details if we want to. But uh, renewable energy, or they call it green energy and infrastructure, um, what that allows us to do also, it's basically um, have a very low tax basis of 4%. Um, so all that after-tax cash flow makes those projects that much more attractive. And in Puerto Rico, the other factor that makes it very interesting, which is not necessarily a tax advantage, but it's really a business advantage, is that the cost of power is so high that when you're putting renewable energy, you're actually helping decrease the cost of power. So you're, you're not really competing with fossil fuels or with the existing generation in Puerto Rico. You're replacing old, um, oil or coal-fired generation. Uh, so you're improving the environment. You're decreasing the cost. So you're um, making a real big impact to the people in Puerto Rico by providing you know, green, uh, clean energy uh, and really being able to shut down plants that are 40, 50 years old and that are not even meeting the EPA standards of today. Mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna touch one more, which I, it's agriculture and we actually have made an investment on indoor, indoor aquaponic vertical farm, um, but you can actually pretty much all the sectors of the agriculture um, do benefit from that tax decrease. In Puerto Rico, um, we import you know, over 90% of our of our food, of our food. 
Um, so there is a big uh, push to try to increase the amount of production uh, of food here on the island. And it's not even the need um, to say we're producing it. It's what happens when we have hurricanes as well. It's not just the damage that happens here, but the ability to bring produce into the island. So having that diversity of where the food is coming from and having the ability to have some amount of agriculture that is, um, you know, uh, hurricane or weather resistant, that's also part of what we're trying to do as an investor. Mm -hmm. So these these sectors that you just ran through, agriculture and the, the green energy, they're eligible for the, the same incentives that you ran through earlier, the 4% income tax? And I know there's a lot of information. So what I suggest is uh, I will make available a couple of documents made by the government of Puerto Rico. One is by the department, well, what they call DDEC, which is the development um, arm, um, and they do manage all the tax decrees. And there's also um, Invest Puerto Rico, which is here to incentivize investment into Puerto Rico, and they both have good summaries. Um, in particular, the one from DDEC is actually a two-page, and it gives you how each of the incentives work, and, and you can go through that. So if you ask me of a particular one, we can look here and, and tell you, you know, what they have and basically the difference in, the differences between the different sectors. Great, and we'll we'll make sure those links are to those documents are are attached or linked in the show notes so that I know we're kind of going over a lot of information here, and folks can go back and and dive a little bit deeper into those. Um, so. Jose, let me ask you about um, individual investors. We've been focusing mostly on uh, on a lot of the incentives that are available to companies right now, but there's also a, a part of Act 60 for folks who want to move to Puerto Rico and want to become what's called a, a bona fide resident of Puerto Rico, that they are eligible, I believe, for uh, some favorable tax treatment. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's the one that people think at first. Um, so we can talk a little bit more about that. Um, I did apply for my back then at 22. Um, there's a couple of different things. One of them is that you need to be, you could not have lived in Puerto Rico during a specific period of time. And that's um, January of 2006 to January and two, uh, of 2012. So if you lived on the island during that time, you cannot uh, you, you cannot apply. And I think that had to do with the period that this law was being implemented. Um, the other thing that's different is that this decrease lasts until 2035. So as time goes by, the length of that decree you know, decreases. Um, sure. But besides that, the, the main benefit or the two main benefits is that um, basically, as you know, you pay capital gains. Um, the where 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 you live, not where the gains are are created. Mm -hmm. So Puerto Rico allows you to have a, at this stage zero capital gains rate. So basically, you're exempt from capital gains. That has made it very big for people that are doing things like uh, crypto um, trading, uh, especially when you think about short-term capital gains. You know that's still uh, you're able to have a zero percent. Um, there, there has been a lot of pushback on this, so they expect or there might be a chance that the law changes over time, but the decrees are, you know, any, any changes will be looking forward. It will not be retroactive. So I would say the other part 
is that it has changed in terms of what you need to do to maintain this status. One is you have to buy a residence, your primary residence. There's issues about how much time you have to spend in Puerto Rico, and you have to mm -hmm. manage that because if you're a U.S. citizen, you have to comply both with the Puerto Rico law, right, and the U.S. law. So the amount of days that you are in Puerto Rico, they you know, they tell you the number of days you have to be in Puerto Rico, but then you also have to look and comply with how many days can you be within the U.S. when you're not in Puerto Rico. Um, there's also a requirement to donate a certain amount of uh, money. I believe that the new act requires something in the neighborhood of $10,000 to non-for-profits. Um, and there is now more push about how much investors need to actually invest and mm -hmm. whether they need to create jobs. But at this stage, it's a pretty straightforward um, tax decree in terms of your ability to have 0% capital gains and also on distribution. So any any distribution from Puerto Rico source income, you will not be paying any incremental or anything. Yeah. So those are some those are some pretty significant incentives if you are willing and able to to move to Puerto Rico and buy a residence, as Jose said, and make the the contribution. I think it's I think he said it's ten thousand um, dollars to to a charity. Um, it's I mean, for a lot of people, for some people, that'll make sense and, and that will be doable. I think for others, uh, for, for you know, a variety of reasons, moving to, to Puerto Rico full time um, probably isn't an option, but there are ways to take advantage, uh, essentially ways, Jose, to take advantage of a lot of these incentives from the 50 states, um, which I think as we, we talk through to, to start off this conversation is investing in these businesses are investing in these funds that um, that in turn take advantage of the the incentives in Puerto Rico. Is that right? Absolutely. And if you think about it, any company that is looking to expand and is looking to um, uh, grow, um, they have to look. They should be looking at Puerto Rico as a potential mm -hmm. location. If you think about Puerto Rico, you can think of it as if you go into a state that is providing incentives for a particular industry or a state that provides incremental incentives for opportunity for opportunity zones, right? That is something that you can think of Puerto Rico. If you're going to do a manufacturing facility, you should look at Puerto Rico. There's a big push right now for renewable energy manufacturing because of the new IRA that allows for incremental investment tax credit for projects that are built with U.S. manufactured products. And there's a lot of people now moving manufacturing to the U.S., so I tell people they should actually look at Puerto Rico because not only do you get the tax incentives um, and your customers, but you will get the incremental uh, benefits from the Puerto Rico uh, tax code. So yeah. that, that's something where I would say people that are looking to expand and are looking to expand into a new state, they should look at Puerto Rico to make sure that they compare that and the, the things that are available here. So, Jose, we've talked about the incentives for, for businesses in Puerto Rico in the form of tax credit and t exemptions on income tax, property tax, municipal tax. Talked about the old Act 22 for individual investors who want to become a bona fide resident of Puerto Rico and save on cap gains and, and distribution taxes. You, you mentioned a couple of times opportunity zones. Uh, we, we just did an episode with Jimmy Atkinson. I know you know Jimmy kind of talking about OZs in general as a tax efficient vehicle. We, we didn't talk about uh, Puerto Rico kind of has some unique is, is unique within the uh, within the OZ uh, program. Could you talk a little bit about what what's different about Puerto Rico when it comes to opportunity zones? 
Sure. Well, I'm not going to go into how Opportunity Zone works since that's basically part of many episodes which I've been yeah. part of. So, yeah. Um, but if you think about what Opportunity Zones, the program was created, was to try to bring capital to the press communities. Um, and that capital, um, the way that it was allocated, it was by census tracts. And there was a limit of how many census tracts you could have on an, on any particular state. Uh, so it was low income. So if you had low income, basically you qualify, but they had to select which ones because there was a limit. What happened in Puerto Rico because of the natural disasters is that they said there was no limit. And pretty much all of Puerto Rico, except for a few census tracts, did qualify. So over 90, people say 98%, I say 95, just to, to be, uh, I would say, a little conservative, um, qualifies from a from the perspective of a location, right? So then you have to look to see if the business will qualify or the investment, but it's pretty simple um, to qualify Puerto Rico from a um, um, location perspective and say, you can try to make anything be eligible to be a qualified opportunity zone business. <clears throat> but what happens is because it's a separate tax jurisdictions, it creates a few levels of complexity. One of them was that Puerto Ricans do not pay federal taxes. So Puerto Ricans would not have benefit from the law. So what happened in Puerto Rico is the local Hacienda, which is the local IRS, basically they said, we're going to adopt the federal law and make it part of the Puerto Rico tax code. So when they did that, they created, I would say, two conditions. That the funds that Puerto Ricans invested into a qualified opportunity fund had to be invested 100% in Puerto Rico. Basically saying we want to make sure that all of that capital stays in Puerto Rico mm -hmm. if a Puerto Rican investor wanted to take that bit. So they passed a law. They call it the Opportunity Zone Law, which I didn't like because it creates a lot of confusion. And what that did is basically said, yeah, we're going to adopt the federal law. Now, because you see that we have tax incentives for almost every industry and sector, they figure out which sectors do not have tax incentives. And the main ones were commercial real estate, residential mm -hmm. real estate, low-income housing. And they basically said, we're going to provide an opportunity zone tax decree that will provide certain tax benefits for a priority project. You do not have to have a tax decree to do a opportunities on deal. But if you want to have a tax incentive for a real estate deal, basically, you apply for an opportunity zone tax decree priority project, and then you'll get certain tax incentives. Now, they're not as attractive as the other tax incentives. Mm -hmm. They basically have an 18.5% flat income tax rate versus the 4%, so a little bit higher. Um, there are deductions uh, for uh, municipal municipal uh, taxes and property taxes is only 25% versus the 15, 75%. However, the municipalities are allowed to increase it up to 75%. So you can go to the municipality that you want to do the project and ask them to increase that, that amount. Um, and then the, the other part that I would say it's there's also some tax credits that you can apply for up to 25%. And those are 
it's a little discretionary. They tell you how you can apply, but basically you have to apply and then they will tell you is by creation of jobs, by doing substantial improvements. So everything that's opportunity zone, technically you're doing substantial improvement, but the creation of jobs, they don't tell you exactly how many. Um, there's about, and this basically 5% tax credit for each one of these items up to 25%. The other one is low-income housing. So if you're doing low-income housing, you can apply for that. Um, so there are benefits, um, and that's a market that is starting to get noticed, and people are starting to use that structure uh, because it was one of the few sectors that did not have a tax incentive. But it's relatively new, so people are now getting the first wave of tax decrease. And I'm not aware that anybody has received tax credits yet under the law. So people are starting to look at it. They're starting to apply for tax decrease. But unfortunately, right now, they're taking almost over a year to, to get approved, which is something that they're looking into. Because if you have a construction project, right, you, you can't wait uh, many times that long to start your, your project. So if you need the tax decrease, um, that could be a, an issue. Yeah, it seems like everything takes a little bit longer nowadays, and it sounds like this is this is no exception. So, in, in addition to almost the whole island, Jose says ninety five percent. Some people say ninety eight percent. By the way, I think in the in the fifty states, it's like ten or twelve percent of the the land mass of the U.S. is an opportunity zone. So it's a it's a big difference um, by virtue of being able to include all of of Puerto Rico's census tracts instead of the twenty five percent that that the governor of each of the 50 states was limited to. Uh, in addition to, to that big difference, there are some uh, some potentially meaningful additional OZ incentives. Um, so, Jose, for, for folks who aren't going to move to the island, um, they, there's ways to, to take advantage of, of the tax incentives down there by, you mentioned that you run a, a couple of tax advantage funds focused on Puerto Rico. I believe one is focused on OZs and, and one isn't. Do you, do you structure those as as partnerships so that uh, fifty state fifty staters uh, are able to invest in those and they receive a K one or, or how are those structured? So so it's interesting and I'll let you know that could be the whole other podcast. I'll give you <laughs> I'll give you the cliff notes yeah. for the opportunity zone. Uh, we have a Delaware LP, but we decided to be taxed as a corporation for federal tax purpose to do two things because we expected most of the money to come from US investors. We wanted to create a mm -hmm. blocker so that the US investors are not subject to Puerto Rico taxation, right? Um, they'll be subject to US taxes on, on, on anything that we do now. Obviously we're trying to generate capital gains so they will hopefully pay 0% capital gains uh, after the 10 year hold period. On the Puerto Rico private, uh, private uh, equity fund, uh, under Act 60, we're doing that as a pass-through, right, as a partnership. Um, and that will create the potential for us to issue the equivalent of a K-1 from Puerto Rico. Um, and we really understand that those investors are sophisticated enough uh, and should be fine accepting to do, you know, basically one additional tax filing in Puerto Rico. Yeah. One reason that we really focus on the opportunity zone slightly different was really to deal with potential recapture. We did our fund as a multi-asset fund. We expect to be reinvesting capital and we wanted to avoid anything that would basically either do a tax recapture or start the 10-year investment clock. So, you know, I would say that there's not always a right or wrong answer. Um, what we try to do on one fund 
wasn't really necessary for the other one because we don't have to worry about the 10-year hold period. We don't have to worry about the capital gains potential uh, recapture. So that's how we we manage those. Um, there's plenty of accountants and tax advisors yeah. that go into this structuring. Uh, particularly, it's really at the end of the day more of an investor level issue and decision. Um, we've also thought about doing dual funds, right? One um, that, and that's very common in private equity. When you have people from outside of the U.S., you tend to have structures with a blocker in any event. So that's something that we're exploring. And if we have sufficient demand for both, then we would basically create two vehicles um, in order to provide people with a blocker structure. Well, a lot of times with with incredible tax opportunity comes a little bit of complexity. It sounds like you've given it a, a fair amount of, uh, of of thought there and and come up with a fairly elegant solution that, uh, like you said, you could probably fill a whole nother podcast just talking about the the structure of your funds. But I think that was a fairly good, concise summary. So thanks for that, Jose. Um, this has been fascinating talking about all the the tax advantage investing opportunities that exist in Puerto Rico. Whether you move down there, whether you invest via a fund, a fund like Jose's, um, there's some some pretty interesting tax incentives. So, Jose, I want to thank you for spending this time with me today. Uh, enlightening, fascinating. Where can folks go who want to learn more about your funds and what you're doing in Puerto Rico? Yeah, basically, and um, they can go into uh, info at Major Capital Partners, and they can send an email or they can just go to majorcapital.com and they can find all of the information there. What I will do is I will make sure that you get all of the contact information along the two documents that are, can be source documents for anybody interested in investing in Puerto Rico and people are going through your website and link and uh, or the podcast when it comes out can access that information. Yeah, great, we'll put all that stuff, we'll put all that stuff in the show notes. Jose, thanks for joining me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Michael. Take care. That's it for today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify to help spread the word to other investors. And we'll be back soon with another episode.